Welcome to Let's Go, where you will hear about lives that have been transformed by the power of God. You'll see and hear real stories of real people going to real places far away whose lives are changed as God uses them to impact the lives of others for His glory. Get ready to see people experience God's love and power. Let's go. Welcome to Let's Go. I'm Darren Slack, your host. And with me today is founder and president of Heart of Titus Ministries, Tony Nardella. Tony, how are we doing today? Hey, we're doing pretty good today, Darren. Now, we were talking about something really interesting last time about deliverance, uh, the issue of demonic forces, spiritual forces, and how to deal with them. Jesus Ooh, that's said, that's so scary, Darren. That's right. Well, you know, <laughs> weird things happen, you know, but we are dealing with a real enemy. We're dealing with a real uh, person who is seeking with all of his minions to shut down what Christ has done in the lives of believers. How should we respond to that? What should we be doing? Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Amen. Christ our Lord. Amen. You don't have to be afraid of this stuff, but it is a reality. You know, we do have somebody who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And thankfully, Jesus came to give us life and abundant life. So, uh, yeah, so we have to appropriate that. First thing you got to do is believe it, right? right. You got to believe that uh, even though uh, the devil's the boogeyman in the room, that and he may be bigger and stronger, and he's definitely older and wiser than all of us. Um, he loses because he lost at the cross. Well, I think that's important right there is to understand yeah. he's a defeated foe. And so we're not uh, in, in a losing position. We have his name. And in that name is all power to bring freedom to all who he desires, right? Well, yeah, sure. Uh, it's important to note, uh, whether we're talking about deliverance or healing or any other ministry that we're doing, that Jesus starts the Great Commission in Matthew 28 with all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. And that authority is so important. That means that um, in Jesus, we have authority, just like God gave originally to Adam and Eve, to take dominion over the planet, including um, the usurpers like Satan and his minions. Obviously, we're talking about dealing with the spirit realm. So there's stuff we can't see, we don't understand. Things operate differently in the spirit realm. We're, we have to be careful that we don't assume that maybe because we've seen God do something before, it'll automatically happen the same way again. We do have authority, though. And I think people do tend to become over-preoccupied with the demonic when they have a little bit of a taste of this. Don't you see that some where people kind of get hung up on deliverance and they kind of miss the point of freedom? Yes, and one of the things that... Um, disturbs me and, and I was trained differently is, you know, sometimes pe ministers make deliverance a show mm. and, you know, and they, you know, I've seen them where they throw people on the ground and you got five people gathered around them screaming and yelling. Um, and because we're dealing with um, a, a situation where authority is going to win the day, um, five people barking conflicting orders is not going to get the job done. So what you need is one person to speak what God's giving them and everybody else to be helpful, intercede, and run interference. Okay, so now you're starting to give some strategies for this, and that's what I want to go to is, aside from the fact that there's those practicing exorcism that have no qualifications to do so and are messing around with things that could cause them major harm, in Christ, we're actually commanded, heal the sick, cast out demons. We're, we're called you know, to go out and, and see that happen. And so when we do, 
that's probably one of the first things we got to do is understand some of the practice, the mechanics of when someone's manifesting or having a problem, how to deal with it. And the first thing you said was somebody's got to be in control. How does that work? Well, and that's what's so difficult is, uh, you know, especially uh, people in the United States, and we're not used to, you know, you know, working with others sometimes. We had, it, it, team, you know, deliverance is a team sport, but there can only be one voice. And maybe that voice will shift. And I've seen that happen too, where the guy who's leading or the gal who's leading will say, I, I think maybe you've got something as they turn to another member of the team. Uh, so, you know, you can do that. But first, there's submission to authority. If your life's not submitted to God's authority, if you're not submitted to your church authority, I don't know how you're going to uh, have the authority to deal with uh, a demonic force that's been living for thousands of years. Uh, so that's probably the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, even though we all, as believers, have the authority to drive out demons, um, I wouldn't recommend it unless you've gotten some experience, you've been with somebody who knows what they're doing, and you've Help, you know, you've been their intercessor. You've prayed with them, um, and you know you've, um, you know, you've been a good observant observer, um, and been taught something. So, uh, so it's not something you would jump into immediately unless you absolutely have to. So, when you're talking about actually ministering the deliverance, there's the first step of getting the spirit or whatever is manifesting under control. How does that work? Well, you know, I'll, I'm going to give some kudos right now to uh, Pastor Carlos Anacondia, who um, had the most powerful deliverance ministry I'd ever seen. Or, and I think most people who know him would say that. And uh, now he led the revival in South America. He was one of the leaders down there, yeah, back in the you know, late last century. And um, wow. And he had a guy who was um, by the name of Pastor Bablo Batari, who wrote a book and, on, on the subject and who... Um, actually uh, did his training for many years because uh, when they would go do a crusade they would train people in the local churches on how to do deliverance and that's what happened to, to me 25 years ago or more and so yes and but the the fascinating thing about the way Anacondia did it was that it, yeah, there was a little bit of show involved in the, in the beginning but when they take you back to the deliverance room or the counseling room um, it's all about love it's all about treating the person with dignity um, they're, you know, they're not meant as much as possible uh, to be put on display where everybody can see them doing crazy things that nobody would want anybody to see them, anybody else see them do, you know. So love is so important. So there's a dignity involved, you know, and that's what I would see happening in the first step is to try to get the, the demonic influence to calm down so you can interact with the individual who's experiencing this attack and be able to communicate with them because when the de demons are making a show of things, they're distracting a meeting. You know, I've seen this happen many times where that individual is just acting out or manifesting. You've got to get that under control so you can talk to them about what's taking place. Well, that's right. In fact, you and I had an experience just a few months ago, and uh, you, you, we were all ministering, and then this one woman go, is going nuts with a third friend. Slithering across the floor like a snake, and I'm like, wow, this is different. I didn't. It, it, it was a little different, yeah. yeah. I, but I just figured that our other friend could handle it, but yeah. you came over to me and said, you know, I think the Lord would have you help uh, yeah. Billy with that. And what had happened was that there was a whole bunch, Billy didn't know the language, and there was four or five other people in the church that were all barking commands simultaneously. And, of course, nothing happens because... 
You know, which one is the demon going to listen to? Well, if he sees there's confusion, he's not going to listen to anybody. And so what I was able to do, uh, and because of my relationship with the church and they all knew me, I was able, and I knew the language, I was able to, to calmly let the, yeah, the helpers become intercessors. And then I, I kind of coached Billy on how to take authority. And he, you know, he knew what he was doing. Uh, he just needed a little bit of uh, encouragement and language help. And after about an hour or so, that woman got not only free, but baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. So in that process of walking them through it, you were identifying things from her past that may have been doors that were opened where the enemy could be influencing or yes, areas a, of unforgiveness. What were you looking for when you were talking to her? You know, there's always, almost always, open doors. And what you want to, what you want to determine is where that person is being so tormented that they're acting out that way. And usually they're a great help to that. And I will also confess that it's very helpful at times to have somebody that has the gift of discernment of spirits. Uh, for many years, uh, my translator, uh, in most of the places I went, um, had that gift. He could actually see in the spirit and he knew, oh yeah, spirit's gone now. And you, and you go, yeah, he's right, spirit's gone. And he would tell you what it looked like and all that. <laughs> it's just, this is, Kind of, a, it's a different ministry, um, but you know you want to make it dignified as possible. You want to make it as loving as possible, and there is a kind of a process to it. You know, the first thing you got to do is you got to get that demon to shut up because you know, and you don't ever talk to the demon. You know, you just bind it, shut it up, find out if the per, and then find out if the person can actually speak to you. Um, that's um, and, and usually the eyes are the window of the soul. So, you know, on many, many occasions, you know, I'll, I'll have to yell at people, um, you know, open your eyes and look at me. Oh, you know, Susie, Tommy, open your eyes and look at me. And they'll open their eyes for a second because you're saying it in the name of Jesus. Um, but then when they get tired of doing that, they'll test you and they'll close their eyes again. And if the eyes close, then you lost them. So we, and we maintain eye contact and then we get the person to come back so that you're really talking to the person and not to the thing. And then once you're talking to the person, you can find out whether they're saved or not. What role does that play in understanding what's happening? Do they have to be saved to be set free, or what, what's that? Well, I don't, I don't think they have to be, but I, I usually won't do deliverance unless they are saved. Because if they're not saved, they don't have the ability, really, to fight back against those and those demons from coming back. Yeah, they'll just return. Jesus said yeah. they'll they'll come back, find the house swept, and bring seven worse than themselves. So there's kind of a recurrence there, isn't there? Yeah, and so and there's an irony here too. I mean, what you hear in a lot of circles is that you know Christians can't have demons. Well, I don't drive demons out of people unless they are Christians. <laughs> That's because, interesting because it's not it's not helpful to them. Right. If they, you just you're making their situation worse. So by walking them through a salvation experience, you're actually moving them closer to deliverance because that's essentially what salvation is, is the deliverance from evil on a, on a broad scale. I mm -hmm. mean, and then that opens the door to all the other things that the great spirit comes into their lives, the Holy Spirit, and now he begins to illumine stuff to them. And I mean, the whole dynamic changes. Exactly, exactly. And so what you, you really become is a coach in self-deliverance. Mm, I see. Now, they do need the help, and they may not be able to get it done without you, but you're always honoring their choices. Mm. And I've been in counseling situations like this where, you know, you bind the spirit, you get them at a place where um, they're ready to talk, but then 
when you start trying to close those doors that the enemy's coming through, uh, for, you know, there's been times I've reached uh, with people where you, well, now wait a minute now, you say you're, you're living together with somebody? Are you married? No. But you're having sexual relations? Yes. So they're staying in sin, and that's a problem. Yeah, and I said, well, look, I, I'm happy to continue with deliverance. I don't think that's going to be good for you, and I don't think that thing's going to go anyway because you're in agreement with it. That's an interesting story I want to tell everybody is that early on in my career, I was um, um, preaching at an all-night prayer meeting. I believe that. It was, they called them uh, vigils, all-night prayer vigils in another country, and it was about 2, 2.30 in the morning. And there was six or seven hundred people there praying and listening. And so this is how you spent the night, preaching, praying, worshiping, and then repeating the cycles. And anyway, about 10 minutes into my message, this uh, woman just jumps up, stands right in front of the platform. She's got a, a you know, nice yellow outfit on, long brown hair, and she starts spinning like a helicopter. And next thing you know, I look around, and every eye in the joint is looking at her, and not paying attention to the message. So that's a clue. So I don't mind people doing funny dances necessarily, but when it's disorderly or distracting from what God is saying or trying to say uh, through a servant, go, no, this ain't right. So um, I, I got one, got off the platform and I, I just kind of stuck my finger in her face and I bound it and I says, in the name of Jesus, you know, come out of her. And so she stopped when, when, when I bound the spirit, she stopped and she looked at me and she kind of looked down her nose. I'm not, no kidding. And she's just kind of hissing at me. Well, this is, this is interesting. So I, so I, so I'm saying, come at her in the name of Jesus, you know, and I'm repeating myself and nothing's happening. And then I look around, and I realize I've got 600 people staring at me. And not only is it kind of freaking me out, but I'm thinking, Lord, this is your name. I mean, come on. And I said, Lord, what do I do? And so Spirit said something to me. He said, uh, you can't cast it out because she's in agreement with it. But mm. you, can, you can bind it. Well, I thought I already had it. Okay. So I said, all right, Satan. You're not disturbing this service anymore. In the name of Jesus, I bind you. I never touched her. You know, she was still looking down her nose at me. But her eyes rolled into the back of her head when I said that. So all I saw was the whites of her eyes, and she just, and all the life just went out of her body, and she just went, bam! Wow! And she didn't move a muscle for 25 minutes. <laughs> and I'm telling you, the power of God dropped in that place like nobody's business. And there were people that nobody laid hands on. I mean, dozens of people that nobody laid hands on. They got healed that night. Wow! And the power of God in filling people with the Holy Spirit. I mean, and it, that went on for hours. Wow, that's so good. We're going to take a break, but I want you to be thinking about this. What do we need to be looking at as the church in these days as they grow darker? And we encounter more demonic influence in the church of believers. How can we prepare ourselves to be ready for that? We'll be right back after the break. Hello, my friends. I want to let you know about an exciting opportunity we're making available to you. As you know, here at Let's Go, we are all about God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things for His glory. We believe so strongly that God has a plan and a purpose for every person who believes in Jesus that we're offering a way to interact with you and help you fulfill your potential in Christ. That's right. The Scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on everyone, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been distributed to every believer. 
Many of you who are watching really want to be used by God. You have his fire burning in you, but many of you have so many questions and a few doubts and fears too. Everything we have done on this show has been to motivate and encourage you to overcome these fears and to find out what are your gifts, calling, and purpose so that you can be fruitful and effective in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what we're going to do. We will be starting a series of monthly video conferences where we will encourage you, pray for you, and answer your questions. Our goal is to build your confidence that you really are a son or a daughter of God and that you have meaning and purpose in this life. We want to help you on your road to being discipled so that you will be an even greater blessing to others. We may even ask some of you to come with us on one of our mission trips. But the most important thing is that we help you overcome the obstacles to your service to the king wherever he calls you, and we believe these conferences will help get you there. Visit our website on the bottom of the screen for the time, the date, and the link for our next conference. We look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back. We're talking with Pastor Tony Nardell today about deliverance, the idea of demonic influence in the lives of people we minister to, people in the church, the active work of Satan in our midst. I know it's kind of dark, but what I want to realize is that it's unavoidable. I mean, Jesus said we're going to have to deal with this issue. Now, he's a defeated foe. God's given us the victory in Jesus Christ. What, what are things that we need to be paying attention to, especially in America, with the darkening days, you can tell that there's more demonic activity going on than ever before. We're seeing ideologies come in that are much more dangerous. As believers, how do we protect ourselves and prepare ourselves for this onslaught? Paul warned us in the last days we'd be dealing with doctrines of demons. Mm. I mean, imagine that. I mean, the, he, he said that, um, that, that there would be people on the pulpit as ministers of righteousness, pretending to be ministers of righteousness that are really agents of Satan. Uh, and, and no wonder because Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So, you know, there's imposters everywhere. And that whole theme of imposters is all throughout the New Testament. I mean, you, you just can't miss it. But having said that, um, I think the way you, you're, we're going to have, the church is going to have to get a whole lot more relational. It's going to have to get more relational with God. It's going to have to get more relational with each other. We're going to have to disciple our sheep and not just teach them, you know, half an hour a week from the pulpit. I mean, somebody's going to have to get in and mess with the jelly of the person that's just come to Christ and talk with them and lead them and guide them. And there are, there are discipleship movements out there that are really focusing on empowering the common person to help disciple their friends and their family, the ones that are in their, you know, their household unit, you could say, uh, to help bring them along into Christ. Because pastors are great people. Pastors are overworked and underpaid, in my opinion. But one man or woman cannot do the job with 150 people in their church or, I mean, Jesus only had 12. So the concept that Jesus taught us and that we can see throughout Scripture is to equip other people who can go, you know, Paul says, teach reliable men who can teach others also. Now, the, this idea of um, imitate me as I imitate Christ, you know, be close enough to somebody where they can imitate you because 
people out there are coming into the church. If they're getting saved, they still have all kinds of demonic notions in their head. They've probably been, maybe they've been dealing with uh, Ouija boards, witchcraft. I mean, there's all kinds of garbage out there that has opened the door to Satan in their lives. And we have to be vigilant and help them self-deliver. So what kind of, you know, Jesus said many of these demons don't come out but by fasting and prayer. What did he mean by that? I mean, that's another, seems like another level that Jesus referenced in passing that seems to be a big part of the preparation process. You want the anointing in your life to help somebody get free, to help somebody get healed, to help somebody, you know, to, so that when you preach, the conviction of the Holy Spirit arrives instead of just good information, fasting, prayer, time in the Word, uh, getting up early in the morning, seeking Jesus uh, long before the sun comes up. These are some of the things that help. You know, you know this, these are not for you know, things that you have to do in order to have a successful Christian life. But, you know, God says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And it's only through God's grace and power in our lives that we're ever going to be able to help anybody get free of demonic influence. So that's what you said. I mean, that's the relational component of getting closer to the Father so that when we're in that environment, there's nothing between us that's negative so that when the enemy encounters us, they're seeing Jesus through and through. You know, there's a scripture we all love to quote from John 8 that says, um, you know, that you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is talking to believers there, to the Jews who had believed him. Mm. You know, he was saying these things. And, you know, knowing the, and knowing the truth comes from abiding in his word. Now, what does abiding mean? Well, you know, we could talk for hours on that. But ultimately, um, it's living in such a way where we are remaining in Christ, where we are um, listening to his every word, seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit on everything that we're doing in life. And that's kind of a hard place to be. But as we do that, the things of the world will drop off and we will get free of these demonic entanglements and all the other entanglements of life, you know, addictions, all that stuff. Jesus is the answer for everything. Amen. We're going to take another break, but I want you to be thinking about it before we come back. What do we need to do to prepare ourselves to be ministers of reconciliation and freedom in deliverance? How do we uh, walk in this as a manner of a regular lifestyle, a lifestyle of deliverance? We'll be right back. Hello, my friends. I want to talk to you for a moment about a great need the Lord has put on my heart. Recently, I went to Poland, to Krakow, which is close to the border with Ukraine. I stayed with my good friend, Pastor Andrei Hlopkov, who is a Ukrainian that the Lord sent ahead of the war to Poland. He didn't realize that God was sending him there so that when the war started, he and his new church would be a center for help for the refugees fleeing the war. The church has now also become a center for distribution to send food, clothes, and even portable generators to our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. You know that here at Let's Go, we don't normally get involved in ministry like this. Instead, we are focused on sending ordinary people to share the life-giving Word of God. But there are times when God moves on our hearts to help in a more tangible way. Truthfully, my heart has been so burdened for the state of the widows and grandmothers in Ukraine since the war started. As winter approaches, I know that many people there will be freezing during the cold nights because of the lack of power in their homes. I want to do something about it, and I'm asking you to help. 
I have seen firsthand the work of Pastor Andre and Grace of Life Church. They have refugee homes, delivery vans, warehouses, all the tools they need to get warm clothes and power generators into Ukraine. They just need more money. So I'm asking you today to join with us in sending the money that our brothers and sisters there need to get through the winter. Go to our website on the screen and click on Donate and specify Ukrainian Relief. Or you can send money directly to us with Cash App. I'm just so thankful for your participation with us in this ministry. And I promise you that every dollar that you give will go directly to assist with the plight of our Ukrainian brothers and sisters. Thanks again. Before the break, we talked a little bit about how individuals can see what's coming in our culture and what's happening. Well, now, how do we walk in a lifestyle of deliverance and freedom? How do we see people really break through into a life of power by the Holy Spirit to see people set free? The church needs to make it a priority, I believe, to be aware that uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. We all know that scripture really well. You know. Putting on the spiritual armor, you know, that's, you know, that there's some accuracy there. You know, let's live lives of integrity and truth and righteousness and all those things that Paul mentioned and, and analogizes to uh, parts of the armor. Um, but we all need to hold each other accountable to do that, to, to live in such a way that we're not playing with sin anymore. We're not playing with distraction. We're focused. Because um, I think what's going to be necessary in order to stop uh, the whole church from getting deceived in the onslaught of apostasy that's already upon us is to um, stay together, um, seek the Lord, and live holy lives. Um, and as, as we've been saying uh, in our, you know, today and in our previous episodes on, on in this, you know, this series, is we got to know what our authority is. We got to know that the, you know, Jesus is sending. It, Jesus said to the apostles. You know, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Well, Jesus was sent to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was sent to heal the sick, to preach good news. Um, we have to have that warrior mentality that we are not going to let the Satan rule this world any longer. Jesus defeated him at the cross 2,000 years ago, and it's time for us to mop up, you know, with, with, in the name of the Lord. Of course, Jesus is going to do the final mopping up when he comes back, but... Uh, he told us to pray. Very first thing we're to pray, our first petition is, your kingdom come, your will be done. His kingdom can happen on this planet. You know, I think nobody really knows what's going on in heaven for sure, but I'm pretty sure there's no demons there. And so <laughs> that's our job and that's what we need to do. So in preparation for this lifestyle of deliverance, we're talking about getting closer to the Father, becoming very aware of who we are, living a clean life, essentially, in integrity and, and righteousness, and then asking Jesus to use us as it would be his will to see people set free. Is there anything else that we need to be particularly aware of that would help in this regard? Well, since your question was in the context of end times, um, I believe that Jesus' warnings about the end times were all designed to guard our, to, to assist us in guarding our emotions. Mm. Uh, because there's going to be betrayal, there's going to be wars, there's going to be pestilences. 
And you know, he's right. You know, all these things have happened in just the last few years, and everybody gets freaked out. But if you get too freaked out, you you drop your guard. You just can't you just can't sustain um, the adrenaline flow that happens when you're worried about am I going to get COVID again today? Um, oh. You know, is you know is the war going to come to my doorstep? You know, what's going to happen if the economy collapses? All these, you know, you just can't sustain that. Jesus says, "Don't be alarmed." And so I, there, you know, we have to be diligent to be to, to be obedient to what He's called us to do. There's there's a lot of things that factor into that if you look at Matthew 24 and 25, but that's probably another episode. Well, thank you for your wisdom and, and investment in us and in myself and in so many others to understand how to walk in this ministry because I've benefited and I know many others have because of how God's used you, so thank yeah, you. It's all God. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, we're so encouraged that you were with us to receive this great insight into deliverance and healing we want you to understand that we want to give you more resources. So go to our website, and at the bottom of the screen, you'll see that there's an opportunity for you to go there and get resources. You can also go to our YouTube channel, Heart of Titus, where you can learn more about our ministry. You can sign up for our monthly newsletter. It's another great way to find out the incredible things God's doing around the world through the ministers of Heart of Titus. If God would lead you to give to this ministry, we'd be so grateful if you might pray about making a donation to help us continue to keep bringing this content to you to encourage your heart. And if you have a prayer request, please make sure you share that with us as well. We want to agree with you for God's best. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you on the next episode of Let's Go.